This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. The most requested discussion topic we've received from our listeners and readers is nymphing. How and when and why do you fish with nymphs? As I've shared before, what drew me to fly fishing was catching fish on dry flies on the surface. Man, that is an adrenaline yeah, rush. Yeah, it sure is. But along the way, I've learned that 85% of a trout's diet comes from below the surface. So if you're going to catch a lot of fish and big fish, you need to learn the art of nymphing. Today we're going to try to make it simple for you. If you're a beginning fly fisher, this is Nymphing 101, and it's really the first two parts. In our next episode, we'll talk about fly patterns. What are the best nymphs to use? But let me start this with a question. Dave, what do we mean by nymphing? Nymphing is simply, you know, floating, what we call dead drifting, a fly down the river but underneath the surface near the bottom. Now, I would argue that nymphing is a bit more complicated than dry fly fishing. What do you think? I suppose that's true. I, th there's some ways that I think of it as, as maybe a little bit easier, at least once you get the hang of it. How so? I mean... Maybe it's because you're just watching your, your bobber, or <laughs> actually your, we call them a strike indicator, but you watch your strike indicator float down. Uh, I don't think the casting is fairly complex, but I don't know. What, what, what do you think it's more difficult or more complex? I think your rig is a little bit more complex. With dry fly, you're typically, now you may fish two flies, but typically you're fishing one fly. Yeah, you're right about that. And you're you're not, right you don't have that. weight on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're adding a dropper, and it's just, it add, there seems to be more complexity. You know, that is a good point. Maybe, maybe the yeah maybe it's the rig that that's a little more complex and can give you difficulties once you get that on the water then I think it's pretty easy you yeah just it is watch it float down and mend your line and we'll talk about those things one other thing I think there's so many varied ways to nymph so many different ways to tie on your flies with droppers I even uh, watched a video yesterday on check nymphing which actually uses different tackle and, Interesting. Uh, and so what we want to do is keep it really simple today. So yeah. if you're an expert uh, and you want to add something to this, we'd love for you to do that. Um, but we're trying to keep it as simple as possible because I do think we cannot go into the weeds on yeah, this. Yeah, this is nymphing 101. So what in the world is, is, what do we call it, nymphing? Well, it's called nymphing simply because most of the time you're trying to imitate the nymphal form of an aquatic insect like a mayfly or a stonefly. Yeah, these insects hatch or technically emerge from the bottom of the river and they bounce along the bottom and eventually make their way to the surface. So nymphing imitates the insects as they emerge from the bottom to the surface and dry fly fishing imitates the same insects once they are in the adult stage on top of the water. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I think it's good to mention too that these nymphs are not swimming. Once they're dislodged, and that can be because... Uh, you know, somebody steps on some rocks or, or uh, you know, something has disturbed the, the, the rocks and they just kind of free themselves, they're loose. Uh, they kind of bob along. It's not like they're, they're swimming like minnows or something. So all you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to imitate the, here are these uh, insects that are 
drifting along, bouncing along the, the bottom. I think it's worth pointing out, too, that nymphing is a subset of a larger category called wet fly fishing, but the two terms are often used synonymously. Uh, you'll use the same nymphing techniques for egg patterns or San Juan worms. Uh, we'll talk about those in our next podcast, or scuds or caddis pupa that are technically not nymphs. Now, there's another category of wet flies called streamers. And uh, that's where I would put flies like a woolly bugger, although uh, actually uh, Bud Lilly uh, considers a woolly bugger a, a nymph. But, but anyway, the way you fish them, you fish them differently. You strip them. So uh, uh, some of those bigger flies uh, like woolly buggers, uh, they're, they're in a different category. Although you can dead drift a woolly bugger. Yes, I've you often, can. Uh, yep, you can. I've often put that as a top fly and then put yep, a strike indicator and work. then dropped a San yeah. Juan. In fact, I caught one of those. I caught that nice brown um, on Canfield Creek about a month ago on yeah. that. I was, I was actually dead drifting uh, That's right. a woolly bugger. So. Yeah. Also, the term dry fly for flies that float on top of the surface is, frankly, kind of silly because those dry flies are always getting waterlogged. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I know. Especially mine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so hard to keep that dry fly sitting on top That's of right. the water and high and tight on the water. It's just it miserable. Is. But that's the difference. So uh, nymphing, uh, we're, we're also expanding that a bit to talk about uh, wet flies. But that's what nymphing really is. It, it's, it's anything where you're floating a fly underneath the surface of the water and you're just letting it drift. You're not stripping it in. You're not doing some fancy retrieve. You're uh, just letting it drift down the, the river or the stream. Okay, Steve, if we are going to nymph fish, how do we set up the rod? First, I'd say that you'll use the same rod that you do for dry fly fishing or streamers. That This doesn't require some sort of a special rod. Uh, you'll use the same line, probably a weight forward taper. The leader's the same. Uh, your, your tippet will even be the same. It's going to be fairly small. Uh, the, the tippet is the end of your leader. That's where you're going to tie your fly onto. Uh, that's often going to be maybe a 5X, which is about 4.5 pound uh, technically four and three quarter pound test and then you tie on your nymph now this is what you alluded to earlier this is where it can get a little bit complex because a lot of fly fishers will tie on a second fly so you you have your main fly that you tie on and we'll call that a lead fly and then the the dropper or the second fly what you do is you you tie on about a foot of tippet to the bend of the hook or some guys I know use the, the eye of the hook. I've never done that. I just tie it to the bend of the hook. So that, that's your main fly. That's your lead fly. Then you tie on this, uh, this strip of tippet material onto the, the back, the bend of that hook. And, and what that lets you do is you can then, at the end of that piece of line or monofilament, you can tie on a smaller fly, uh, which is, uh, we call it the dropper. Some would call it the trailer fly. And, and so you're, you're fishing with two flies. Now, that sounds great, uh, but like you said, it, it can, you can get some tangles, and now you're dealing with... Until it's with, really uh, windy. Oh, yeah, then it's kind <laughs> of a nightmare. And, when you, and then, of course, when you do get it tangled, um, then you have to put two flies back on, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, so, exactly. I mean, obviously, the advantage That's, is that fish have two patterns, right, and sizes from which to choose. Right. But to begin with, you might simply want to stick with one fly. Try that for a while. There, there's some good all-around patterns. And then as you, you get better, uh, 
pretty quickly you can graduate to uh, adding that second fly. A couple points here, and one is there's actually multiple ways to add a dropper, add multiple flies. There's, you know, you can actually add flies and put a, you can put a fly at the bottom and then add flies um, maybe a foot up with another uh, piece of monofilament. So it actually, you're stacking them on top of the bottom fly. So there's different ways to do it, but for this purpose and for our conversation today, it's just simply adding that second fly and tying it to the bend of your first fly, the bend of the hook of your first fly. Yeah. So that's an important piece. Absolutely. Um, there's just multiple ways uh, to do this. And again, once you start going into the weeds on this, there's all these different ways. I think you need to keep it really simple. Yeah. Maybe just start with a single fly and not right. try to even add that dropper. Right. Now, another key issue is weight. I mean, you, you've got to get down to the bottom. That, that's the point. These... Uh, these nymphs, as they're floating along, are uh, floating uh, along the bottom until they're ready to emerge. So you've got to get your fly down to the bottom. So how do you do that? Well, the, the easiest way, the most efficient way, is uh, using a little split shot. And uh, you, you can put on a split shot, maybe a bb size split shot or a couple of split shot. Uh, some places it's important to use... Uh, uh, something that's uh, lead-free, uh, maybe steel, uh, but uh, you'll, you'll find split shot in a fly shop that are designed to, to use. And uh, I usually put split shot uh, maybe a foot above the fly. You don't yeah. want these things to be too far uh, apart. Maybe nine inches. Yeah, depends. it could be really nine depends, inches. Right? I've, I've seen guys who will uh, put them right, you know, right on top of the fly. It's almost like a bead head. Now, huh. that's the other thing. We'll talk about bead head flies. They have a little bit more weight, but not enough to get it to the bottom. Now, here's the, here's the frustrating part, and this is why, Dave, you're right when you say it's a little more complex. You're going to get some snags if you're doing it right. Well, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And that's because you want it hitting the bottom. Yep. And I guess it's kind of a balance. I mean, so mm -hmm. it's all about how deep you go. And here's a couple things you should know about. Um, most streams are not like the bottom of a swimming pool, right? right. So there's structure underneath there. Um, and so um, you're going to get caught up. And here's the other thing is you're going to get snagged, excuse yeah. me. But here's the other thing is that there's different flows. So the flow at the top of the river is not the same as the flow at the bottom of the river. So that's what makes nymphing you know, complex. So you have to have that thing bouncing mm -hmm. along the bottom if you're going to nymph yeah. properly. And that split shot does make the cast feel different. And that, that's sure what you does. say. That, that's where you get into a bit of complexity. Uh, maybe I thought it was simple because after a while you, you do get used to that. And that's the key. Once you get used to nymphing, it's like, well, this is pretty easy. Yeah. It, it's just at the beginning, it's going to feel awkward, you know, having this, feels like a baseball on the end of your fly line, and you're you're trying to chuck that back and forth. But after a while, you, you won't even notice You will it. have to learn to slow down your cast a little bit if all yeah. you have done mm -hmm. up to this point is dry fly fishing and how to do that. But again, it's like uh, riding a bicycle. Mm -hmm. Yep. So. All right, so you've got your fly on. Or, or flies, just depends what you want to do. Then you put your weight on it. Uh, something else you need. Well, you need a strike indicator, you know, and yeah. this is, you know, we, 
you know, if you've been bass fishing, it's a, it's like a bobber, like yeah. it's a plastic bubble or bobber or something tied with synthetic materials. It looks yeah. like a big, ugly fly. Right. I've tied a few so just because I can, and I'll probably never do it again <laughs> because, you know, then it's one more thing that you have to put fly dressing on. And yeah, I, I just like to buy those little, uh, they're just little plastic bubbles, you know, bobbers and, and they have an eyelet in them and it's really easy to slip your line through. I mean, you can take them off. You can put them on and on almost instantly unless you get a tangle. And I like the white one for me. They're all too. different colors. There's yellow, there's orange, um, but the white one for you know my age and what I'm able to see on the river. Of course, it obviously depends on the conditions, um, but I really like that white bubble. And there's different sizes. You can yep. have smaller mm -hmm. ones, you can have bigger ones. Again, it might have to do with the river you're fishing and exactly you know what you need in that moment. That's really true. And a really important key is when uh, that strike indicator disappears, and it doesn't always mean completely going under, even if it twitches a little bit, you set the hook. And you've either got a, a trout on the other end or you have a bottom bass, uh, which is uh, uh, our term for a rock. Yeah, <laughs> you, exactly. You've got a rock, you've got a, you know, a branch or a stump or you know, who knows what, you know, it's, it's underneath. And that's the key and the most difficult thing I think about nymphing is that there's those subtle twitches and you have to be able ready to strike at that point, which we yep. call, which is really setting the hook, but the strike, yep. you can't do it heavy handed. You can't yeah. yank that thing out of the river, um, have to do it lightly. But yep. that is, you know, when you see that thing twitching or actually disappearing, which is, uh, you know, maybe a bigger fish, I don't know. You have to be ready to, to strike, and, yeah. and that's, the, that's the art and skill of, uh, of nymphing. It is, and something else we should mention about a strike indicator, well, where do you put that? Well, if, if I'm on a bigger river like the Yellowstone or the Madison in Montana, I'm gonna put that strike indicator almost at the top of my leader. In other words, close to where uh, my leader is connected to my fly line. Now, what you, what you want to look at, though, is that might be a gap then of, of eight feet or so, and that's fine if you're fishing larger runs. Now, if you're in a smaller stream, you want to move that indicator down so that it's maybe three, four, uh, five feet ab above where your fly is at. And this actually is where the art of it happens, because... Um, if your strike indicator is too high, you're going to be snagged on the, all the time because you're dragging on the bottom of the river. If it's too low and you're never snagging on the bottom of the river, that means the nymph is definitely not rolling along the bottom of the river. So, you know, you know, when you start for your first time, you're going out to the river for the first time, mm -hmm. you just have to make a guess at yeah. where to put the strike indicator. Right. Because think about that. If you're, you know, if you're using one of those bobber type things, what that means is that your line, that's, that's where your line starts going into the water. It's not going to sink further than that. So if you have a five, six foot deep run and you only have uh, five or six feet below your strike indicator, it's not going to get all the way down. Well, there's a rule of thumb I heard that really you need to be twice, you know, the length between your the fly that you want on the bottom and your strike indicator needs to be really almost twice what the depth of the run is. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Um, and really, we don't fish that many, no. even five or six foot deep runs. I mean, no. even in the Yellowstone, a lot of those are three, four yeah, exactly. uh, feet. Exactly. And yeah. more creeks that you're fishing. And you're, if you fish in small creeks, um, then you have to really be, well, always, you have to really be aware of how deep the run is 
and and to make sure that you're along the bottom and you're not yep. too far above the you know that you're fishing actually on the bottom with those nymphs right okay so you have your fly or flies tied on you've got some weight on you've got your strike indicator on now you're all set up and you walk to the river what do you do next well steve most fly fishers would cast their fly into the water <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great point <laughs> we're trying to point. keep this basic right yeah that's very true that's very true yeah. seriously you're looking for a good run and yeah. it's it's really hard to explain this in fact uh, I had a friend who came over to my house on Sunday night. And we were talking about uh, a trip he's taken to the West. And I was trying to explain to him what a run was. I had to go online to some videos and show him what a run is. Here's, you see where the beginning of a run is, where it stops. Here's what it's not. It's not a flat place generally in the stream or the river, right? A run really um, there's movement in the water yeah. and there's usually a beginning of the run where it starts and where it mm -hmm. then starts to become more, uh, smooth again. And so it's, it's the water's more roiled. And, um, and so what you're looking for is, is movement in the water around bends. It might be around a tree. Um, but you're looking for some faster current that yeah. then slows and opens up into a pool. Right. Just kind of a nice long stretch of, uh, you know, moving current, but, but you also sense, hey, there's a little bit of depth there, and that's where the fish can be lurking. So when you find that run, then you cast up river, uh, maybe at about a 45-degree angle, and you'll see your strike indicator, and at that point, you just let your fly float past you and down the run. You're watching that strike indicator the whole time. I mean, that is so critical. It sounds really easy, uh, but... There's one other thing that you have to do for success. Well, this is the art right here, yeah. is mending your line. Yep. And this thing just drives me nuts. Uh, I was out on the Madison uh, a couple years ago and was using my eight and a half foot fly rod and trying to uh, dead drift. Uh, there was this run against a bank and I was, it was, I was trying to cast out about 40, 50 feet and I just could not do it with that eight and a half foot rod. I could get the cast yeah. out there, but I couldn't then mend my line. And I ended up uh, getting a bigger rod as a, as a uh, actually a nine foot rod yeah. as a result. I, uh, the, the person we were with allowed us to, me to use a nine foot six yep. weight. I had an eight and a half foot five weight. And it just allowed me to mend that line. Yeah. So there's so many different currents moving between where you're standing and where that fly is rolling along the bottom and so it has to be a dead drift meaning it has to appear like a nymph rolling along the bottom at the yeah. natural current and this is where a picture would be worth a thousand words yeah, but when sure we talk about mending what are we what are we talking about well it's just simply flipping the middle section up river so that it doesn't drag your fly through the water. Yeah. So your line is laying on top of the surface of the, of the, of the river, mm -hmm. and that causes drag. Yeah. And so you just don't want your fly moving faster than the current. Right. I mean, you think about it, the fly and, and that split shot, you've got weight underneath the water, and so that's creating some drag. The, the section that's going to move most quickly through the water is that top section, that middle section that's on the water. So that's why, yeah, that's why we have to mend it. We have to make sure we're, we're flipping that back upstream uh, so that, uh, yeah, that that's not pulling uh, on the fly. So how many times in a normal size run, let's say the run is maybe 10 yards. That's a small run, but just say it's a small 10 yards, uh, 30 feet. 
how many times would you mend the line? Well, right after I cast, I will often do it because you know the things are just getting settled in. That's a good place, and then you'll no, flip it. You'll yeah, flip I'll, it I'll flip it. I'll, I'll mend it, and then I let it go as long as I can. But just depending on how fast the current is, I might do it in a ten-yard stretch. I might do it one more time. Yeah. Well, we've caught some big trout on these tiny little nymphs. Uh, it's really a productive way to fly fish, um, and it's just. To me, it adds a whole new... In fact, I think I'm a better dry fly fisher because I also nymph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I just think of the big rainbows that we've caught on the Madison. Yeah. Um, of course, some of those were on, um, you know, those egg patterns. Right. But, but also, we're nymphing. But yeah, we're, we're nymphing, using the right. nymphing techniques. We're using yep. the nymphing mm -hmm. technique, but also sometimes we're not catching things on the egg pattern. Even in the spring, we'll throw on a big old beadhead prince nymph and drop, you know, maybe a... Yeah. Um, a copper john or something like that yep. and it's just it's amazing how many fish you catch and the size of fish you catch yep. so nymphing is just a great way um, to really add a whole new level of fly fishing to your uh, skills yep it really is well it's time now for great stuff from our listeners we get a lot of comments questions and stories from our listeners and readers and recently one of our listeners ed close commented i've been fly fishing for about a year enjoy all your help I have stage four cancer, and just being on the river takes my mind away from the pain. Thank you, guys. Wow. Oh, boy. Yeah, thank well, you, Ed. I, oh, wow. That's an amazing comment. Yeah. A couple of things that strike me about that. One is that he's fly fishing. He's continuing on with his life, even though yeah. he's going through a really difficult time of his life. Yeah. Uh, I hope that you and I are doing that when we're, yep, you know, I, I agree. whatever that point is in our life, which yeah. is ahead of us at some point, that mm -hmm. uh, we're still fly fishing. Yep. And that really does uh, does give you something to, to focus on, uh, something to uh, to do that can uh, just take your mind off, like like Ed says. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for today. Do you have any tips to help new fly fishers learn the art of nymphing? If you do, please share them with us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What would you say to fly fishers who are trying to learn nymphing? And we'd love all the comments we can get from guides who have expertise, maybe That's right. any hacks to, to make it more simple. Um, please add your comments both to Facebook or to our site. Yeah, you bet. You're the pros. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And we'd love for you to visit our podcast on iTunes and rate it. Just go there and rate it. We'd love a review from you. Obviously, we'd love a glowing review from you, <laughs> but that helps others as they um, look at the podcast, what they can expect. Also, you can download a podcast app on your phone and receive our weekly podcasts. That's how I listen to most of my podcasts, the ones that I subscribe to. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Thank you.